Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you here this morning. We are in week number seven of an eight-week series on the letter of Paul to the Colossians. Uh, today and then next Sunday, next week, we'll, be, we'll finalize our uh, treatment of this and all these things. Um, wonderful timing for this letter that during this season. And quite honestly, I think as we sat around a table and divided up our assignments as pastors for preaching, I think I got the most timely best one. But it's hard to say that because they're all so good. Colossians, all of Paul's letters are phenomenally timing, uh, timely, especially right now. They always are. Um, in chapter one, we hear Paul giving thanks for his friends in Colossae, his partners in the gospel, praying for them that their love for God and for each other would grow and bring glory and honor to the name of Christ. Love for God and for one another, very important, critical. It's a high calling during trying times like these. In chapter 2, we read of the nature of Christ. Do you want to know who Jesus is? Well, who is Jesus anyway? Some people ask that with a little bit of attitude. Well, if you want to get your attitude adjusted, go to Colossians and read it. Unbelievably powerful, awesome, created in the image of God, and we are now to imitate him in love and unity with, with great humility. The humble word comes in to play. Humble discipleship? Yes. Follow the model of Christ who laid down his life for us. Powerful example. Imitate that. In chapter 3, Paul addresses the need to hear the truth, to hear it over and over. It's one of the reasons we meet so often. And maybe we'll meet in a variety of ways, but we'll still meet and hear his truth, God's truth, over and over. And then he says, proclaim it over and over because many have not heard and even many who have heard it need to hear it and receive it. We need to proclaim the word. And he says in that third chapter, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The words of Paul meant to represent our own commitment to the saving grace of God. And now we come to chapter four. It is the best one. Chapter four, starting at verse two. It's in your worship folder if you'd like to follow along. Starting at verse two. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, Paul says, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Now you remember what the mystery of Christ is? The mystery of Christ is that Christ is in us and available to all Jews and Gentiles. Everyone in the world can come to Christ and he will come to them. He comes to us. That is the mystery solved. 
Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise, this is timely, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. We might get more opportunities now, right? Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Lord, open your ways, open your truth, open your life to us in this, your word today. I pray in Jesus. Amen. There's, there's too much here in this short little section to uh, take another 16 minutes and cover it all. So I got to praying about this. I thought, you know, it's been one of my desires as we've gone through the book. And we talk about everyday hope. Hope for everyday, all the time. It's easy to say that. But how do we get practical about this topic? Um, there are practical sides to this, and I think they pop up here in a very real and good way for us so that we can uh, take all the mystery of it and enjoy that and meditate on that and enjoy the fellowship of Christ in it in our private lives and in public. Um, I'm just going to mention three practical things that we can take part in that are right from the Scripture. Paul is telling us to do these things, and we can do them in a very practical way. So if you like a good three-point sermon and a poem, which is kind of the old traditional way of preaching, three points and a poem. I don't know if I have a poem. Maybe I'll think of one right at the end. But I've got three points, and they're right from verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful. And be thankful. There's a lot more here. This, this passage is a lot about spreading the gospel, praying for Paul that he would have opportunity to do that even while he's in chains. But we're just going to focus on these three this morning. Number one, pray. Be devoted to it. Be committed to it. Don't forget about it. Figure out ways to be reminded that we should pray. Practice the act of prayer, the art of it. There are so many different ways that we can pray, but we are to pray. Another verse says, pray without ceasing. Well, am I supposed to spend 24-7 praying? Well, maybe. Uh, it's not quite like that. But whenever you have opportunity and whenever you have a challenge or a need, pray. Don't give up on prayer. Just keep on. Be devoted to it. One of the best definitions of prayer that I've ever heard, and even while recognizing there are many ways to pray, is this. Prayer is inviting God into your needs. Prayer is inviting God in to your needs. Now, I know we can talk a lot, well, you know, it's about praise and thanksgiving, Yes, it is. 
Part of it, a big part, is inviting God into your needs. It's a simple guide. It's a simple definition. But think through what your needs are today, tomorrow. What are the needs of your children, your family, your parents, whoever you are in touch with, your teachers, those who protect us, all those needs. Think of them and pray through them. And then uh, that humility thing comes into play here too, I think. From chapter 2, it's going to be, we're going to need to apply some humility to this. It can be very humbling to admit that we have a need, even to admit it to ourselves and to admit it to God himself. I don't really want to admit this, Lord, but I have a need today. And it's deep in my heart. I have a need for you, Lord. I have other needs as well. Sometimes we need to humble ourselves and pray. We have instruction to do that as well. Even more of a challenge is to share with others the needs that we might have so that they could join us in prayer. Make a list. And then pray. Share the list. If you'd like to share your list with me, I'll share mine with you. See how brave we might be. But we need to be in prayer for each other as well. Not demanding, not insisting, but with a humility and love that would unite us all if we all would choose to let God in to our needs. Our Father, Hallowed be thy name. Holy, Lord, is your name. You are separate from us. You are, you are pure and holy, and we worship you. Thank you, Father, that we can come into your presence. Lord, humbly, I ask that your will would be done, not mine. I'm not in charge. Lord, you know that you are. As we're faced with trials and testings, we never imagined these trials and tests a couple of months ago, most of us, the things that we're going through today, so many things happening around us, we need to go somewhere with those needs. And in humility, we go to our Heavenly Father. Lord, have your way in us. Lead us away from the temptation to do things our own way. Lead us out of the temptation to think that we can have victory on your own. Well, I'll get this figured out. I'll work on it. We'll manage, we'll get by. Lord, provide all that we need. Lord, we need bread, we need water, we need rice. Shelter, Lord, guard our hearts against selfishness. Keep us from the greed of a hoarding heart. It's kind of funny, but it's really not. Lord, protect us. Oh, we need to unite in love, don't we? Make us to be generous toward all around us as you are generous. You know, one of the things that happens at the church staff level, and I have not heard this once here with the people I work with, but there's a natural tendency, well, if we cancel services... 
How are we going to teach? How are we going to preach? How are we going to, how are we going to take the offering? How will we survive financially? Well, God's in charge of that too. But there will be baskets at the back of the church. And we're going to ask you, just don't forget. Be supportive of your congregation. Don't forget that. Be generous as God is gifting you to be generous. Number two, be watchful. How can, you, how can we truly know what our needs are and what the needs of others are if we're not watching, if we're not paying attention? People still need the Lord. People, many are still unsaved. People need salvation. And the saved need Jesus just as much as ever. We all have that same need. We need to be able to turn to him in freedom for forgiveness, confessing our sins, coming to him, being washed. And then we need to be sharing, repeating, proclaiming that good news for those that don't have it. For those who are resisting it, might be a little more open these days. This has been a great season of just the last couple of weeks, great disappointment. I've seen people crying over things that have been canceled that they can no longer participate in. It's been really hard in a lot of ways. Help us to see with wisdom what's going on around us and the needs of people who are despairing and greatly disappointed even if it's over things that are not essential for life. But people work awfully hard on many things, and when it's taken away, the disappointment is great. Help us to see with wisdom what is going on around us. And then be watchful for that roaring lion that Peter talks about, who seeks to fill our hearts with fear. I was driving down the road yesterday, and uh, listening to uh, a major broadcast company's radio program and some news, and two words struck out, uh, stuck out to me as this uh, broadcaster was sharing the news. The first word was uh, panic. People are panicking everywhere. And the other word was fear. And we're just afraid, we're so fearful. And I thought, no, I'm not seeing that so far. I have not, personally. Now, I'm not everywhere present. I don't watch everything that goes on. I'm not, (laughs) but I'm not seeing this. I haven't seen anybody panic. I've seen really uh, appropriate, calm uh, addressing of these issues from most sources. And while there is deep concern, I'm not catching the fear. So let's listen to the calm voices, the educated voices, the people who know what they're doing and talking about and willing to do the work on our behalf so we can have knowledge. And Lord, bless them. Lord, use them to share with us what we need to know. But we don't need to panic. And we're, we don't need to fear. Of all people, we don't need to fear. Go back to that Isaiah verse. 
Watch for the roaring lion who would love to defeat us with fear. The Lord told Joshua at a very uh, important time in Joshua's life, as he was taking over the leadership of the uh, nation of Israel, and they were going to march into the promised land, the Lord said, and he actually says it three times in Joshua 1, basically repeating the same theme. Joshua, be strong and courageous, be not afraid, for the Lord your God will be with you. The Lord your God will be with you in all of this. Wherever you go. So watch for the things that seek to divide us and lead us away from our hope. Be watchful. One of the best ways to fight fear and hurt is to change our focus. Let's be watchful for God. Let's look carefully to see where he is. Where is God working? Lord, show us your ways. Show us where you are. Show us what you're doing. He'll answer those prayers. He's out there. He's in here. He's with us. He has promised wherever we go, he will be with us. And usually he gets there before we do. Watch for him. Number three, be thankful. The same teacher who shared with me the definition of prayer, letting God into our needs, is the man who gave me a powerful little exercise to practice when I'm tempted to wander into sadness or a little disappointment or despair and go too deeply into that. Or when we just rather stay in bed, pull the covers over our head and ignore everything around us. After I graduated from Fergus Falls High School, I went to Los Angeles to attend the California Lutheran Bible School. One of the best decisions of my life. We had a short chapel service every day. And once in a while, we'd schedule for a missionary or a preacher from the outside or a teacher to come in and and do a week's worth of chapels. Well, his name was Clarence Hanson, Reverend Clarence Hanson. His friends called him C.M. Hanson, C.M. We called him Sir. He was probably something like 68.5.2 years old. Beautiful white hair. He walks in, he's introduced from the front, but he comes in from the back. He walks up, just an energetic old man because the rest of us are 19, 20 years old, just young. The room is, well, I was gonna say it was alive with energy, but it was a Monday morning. And we all were just kind of sitting around with our arms folded across our chests and yawning and stretching and just tired. How are you? I'm tired. How are you? Oh, I guess I'm all right. And C.M. Hansen comes marching in and he's just, and the thing about him, he was a little stooped over. He really was an older fella and he was kind of stooped over. He was just kind of a hot looking little guy. 68.5.2 years old with white hair. So I'm sitting there in my um, Bible school educated arrogance and said to myself, what in the world is he ever going to say to us that we're going to pay attention to? I wasn't very nice. 
Well, that's the last time I even thought that thought. We had a wonderful week with him. And here's one of the best things I got. On top of all the Bible teaching, he looked at us and he said, would you people like to get a little energized this morning? Would you like to go through the day uh, happy? Well, of course we would. Well, we went, yeah, I suppose. I said, here's a little exercise I want to give you. I just did it this morning before I came over to the school. He said, get a notebook, go sit down at your kitchen table, whatever you got, and start making a list for those things for which you are thankful. If you're thankful for sunshine, 70 degrees, it's L.A., in February, if you have a dog, well, if you can be thankful for a cat, put that on there. Whatever you're uh, thankful for, just start making that list and don't stop. Don't even stop to give thanks for it. Just make the list while you're making, Lord, I'm thankful for my dog, for my cat, for the sunshine, for the beach, oh yeah, for the beach, for this school, for my teachers, for my mom and dad, for my friends, and the list will go. And he said, if you can do that for five minutes, then you have permission to stop and and give thanks. And then don't go too long because you'll be late for school. But you may find out that you can't stop once you start because there's nothing too small to put on that list or anything too large. Paul tells us to be thankful. Well, what are you thankful for? Now, it may seem a little trite to say, give thanks for your dog. No, it'll lead to other things. Lord, I give you thanks that we have uh, people who serve us in security services, that we have hospitals we can go to, that we have medications being developed. Lord, I thank you for all the work that's being done. I thank you that we have a, a place to worship together that considers our safety first. I thank you for food, for all you provide for it. The list doesn't stop. And he said, how can you possibly go through the day grumpy, disappointed, mean-spirited, angry, any of those, if you've just gotten up from a, a, a season of giving thanks to the God who loves you? It'll make you all positive and perky. I might get you yet. I'm a, okay. We need to do this. It's a wonderful exercise. I don't do it every day, but I do it once in a while. And uh, the notebooks get full. Well, one of my prayers, I need to finish up here. One of my prayers uh, as we've gone through the uh, writing on Coloss- to the Colossians is uh, that the idea of everyday hope is a practical idea. Hope, we have Christ in us so we have hope for our future eternally and in the here and now Christ is in us. Just think on that for five minutes. Lord Jesus, you're in me. I'm in you. Just get used to that conversation and carry it on. Marvelous. We need to embrace the truth and the reality of living in the hope of Jesus Christ. Well, these, very, these three very practical things, we can do these things every day. And they, when our hope is waning, when we're a little discouraged, we should go back to them. 
even when God's people get discouraged and their hope is waning, even when mine might be or yours. Devote yourselves to prayer. Remember the need thing. Let him into the needs. Be watchful, paying attention to where God is and what he is doing. Watch for the enemy of the word as well. He's out there too. But mostly, watch for God. Watch for the Lord. And be thankful. That's number three. You go home and start that list. Let me know how that goes. Give it, give it a couple tries. Let me know how it goes. Maybe five minutes. Does that turn into ten? Do it with your family. Make a huge list. However you might want to use that. I know about 150 college-age students uh, were very engaged to that and very amazed when an old, older, white-haired servant of the gospel challenged them to do this. And now I have the privilege of passing that challenge along to all of us here. Enjoy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace to us today. Thank you, Lord, that you are here now with us. You're all around us and you're within. And for this, we give thanks. Help us to remember. We tend to forget. So remind us, dear Lord, remind us. We pray that you would bless us as we go through this day and the days ahead. Father, grant us your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.